This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hey there, and welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On today's episode, I am joined by Elise Springer, who is a longtime colleague and friend and just such a knowledgeable person on perinatal mental health and different ways to to support people. She has her hands and fingers in a lot of really cool stuff as well. She is a current board member for Postpartum Support International's California chapter and serves as a policy and advocacy chair. She is an Emeritus Governing Council member for Maternal Mental Health now after serving an eight-year term. In addition to ongoing training faculty for the organization, she served as board member of National Maternal Mental Health Policy and Advocacy Group 2020 Mom Project and subsequently sat on the organization's clinical advisory panel through 2021. She is a training faculty and Emeritus board member for National Perinatal Loss Organization Return to Zero Hope and training faculty for paternal perinatal nonprofit Love Dad. Elise is certified in perinatal mental health and Amdria approved therapist and Amdria approved consultant, certified in interpersonal therapy by the IPT Institute and an IPT supervisor in training. She lives and works in the LA area. So as you can tell, she does a lot and she knows a lot. And what I'm constantly impressed by her is that she's always learning and not only just learning, but learning and finding ways to then help other people learn. It's really amazing all the work that she's doing. So in our conversation today, she's going to really deep dive into what IPT is, and it is a validated therapy for the perinatal population. I think it would be great if a lot more clinicians were trained in IPT, but also from a client perspective, man, are there some really useful tools and skills in this therapy. So let's get into it and hear from Elise. Welcome, Elise. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, I am too. And you always give such good info and insight and knowledge. And I know, you know, there's a lot of therapists who listen to this podcast, but also people who are just like not aware of what types of therapy are available. So I'm glad you're on here to talk about IPT given education. Yes. And actually, I think if I'm remembering, so this is interpersonal therapy. And I think you and I actually were in a training together. But I feel like that would have been back in 2012. Oh, gosh. Is that possible? Yes, <laughs> it is possible. It was. It was 2011 or 2012. Wow. Yeah. All I remember is that it was on my birthday. Is there on my birthday? We did level A IPT, interpersonal mm-hmm. therapy training. Yeah. I'm serious. What do you remember from it? I remember it being like, I didn't know what to expect, but I remember the trainer, Stuart Scott being just so Scott Stewart, but yes. I mean, so, oh, I always mix it up. Scott Stewart. <laughs> but that happened that you, you know, kind of potentially last names as in your name. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he was amazing. And I remember it 
the feeling like, oh, there's parts of this that is already part of what I do. And it feels like it will be easily integrated in and really usable tools like Mm -hmm. therapist tools, but that gets so much information from the client and just super helpful. Yeah. I asked that question mostly, I mean, number one, I mean, yes, it was a long time ago. And so we won't age ourselves too much, except for (laughs) we were already established therapists at that point. Mm -hmm. But I actually, as part of that training, which was interestingly enough, it was like a pilot program to kind of see how do you best train therapists? How do therapists best learn? And so some of that cohort from that level A training went on to getting supervision live, Mm -hmm. and then some were assigned the self-study. And I think both you and I were both given the self-study option. And I think both of us were like, "Uh uh-huh, yep. (laughs) And I don't know that we pursued any of the subsequent levels at the time. I know I didn't. No, I knew right away that if given the self-study, self-pacing, self-whatever, I, that I wouldn't do it. Like I needed the accountability of a meeting and, and all of that in terms of training. So, yeah. And I, there were only a couple of pieces I remembered after that training, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a little bit, but I think a couple of years into it, I was like, gosh, there's like three things I'm using all the time from IPT, but I feel like there's more. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up kind of getting in touch with Scott Stewart through the Interpersonal um, Therapy Institute, uh, the IPT Institute, and pursued training that way. And once I was in a supervision group and kind of going through the subsequent levels, it was a lot easier because yes, Mm self-study, I can do it for my CEUs that I have to get, but when it's coming towards like a certification or really knowing Mm -hmm. a consult group is just so helpful. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about IPT. And one of the things that I always find interesting, so IPT stands for interpersonal therapy. And the kind of a precursor beginning of IPT was really developed in the 60s. And interestingly enough, all the studies that we hear about as therapists and maybe as clients too, that say therapy and medication together are the most efficacious. Now, if you have big feelings about medication or big feelings about therapy, maybe sometimes people silo them, but the most efficacious for treatment of like a mood and anxiety disorder is going to be medication and therapy together. The study that sort of people used to determine that was the case was IPT, Mm. but CBT was also present at the time. And I always joke, CBT had so much better PR. Like, <laughs> it, totally. Because, you know, IPT is evidence-based. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research behind it. It works really well with all the mood and anxiety disorders, works really well with actually even eating disorders, although I'm not trained in eating disorders. And it's really wonderful for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, CBT has an amazing PR team behind it and IPT never did. And that is why it is like one of these evidence-based modalities that you've just never heard of, Right. I mean, even getting training in perinatal mental health, you'll hear evidence-based therapy for perinatal mental health is CBT and IPT, but there's far fewer people trained in IPT. Yeah. And hopefully that changes. I mean, some of the work that Scott Stewart and the Institute are doing, and I should just close at this point that I'm a supervisor in training for the IPT Institute. So I do have a little bit of a buy-in here, Mm -hmm. but I think trying to do more in the VA system, trying to do or even in California, you know, we're doing some trainings in Imperial County and there's some um, supervisory groups happening there. So, and I know it's much bigger on the East Coast, which I always find interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because I think in, you know, the, I would say late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of the groups in like Boston and Rhode Island were using IPT. IPT is very cool, not just because therapists can use it, but so can case managers and the World Health Organization actually even has protocols for IPT that are used around the world. So amazing, pretty well known, well used, but somehow we don't know it and don't Mm -hmm. use it. Mm -hmm. So people are always like, well, how does it actually 
right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of it is that it really enhances social support. The whole goal of interpersonal therapy is to kind of make sure that you have enough social support, right? Same thing for decreasing stress, interpersonal stress in particular. And as you're talking, you're probably thinking, gosh, there's, as I'm talking, you're probably thinking there are some pieces here already. You can see why it's so good for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. The other piece of it is like a, you know, facilitating emotional processing and improving interpersonal skills. So there's four change agents in interpersonal therapy, enhancing social support, decreasing interpersonal stress, facilitating emotional processing, and improving interpersonal skills. And if you're wondering if I'm reading, I am, because I want to make sure you get it right. Uh, But how it started with me is that there's this big piece of IPT that's that's taught in level A and it's the interpersonal inventory. Mm-hmm. And I so, both, so yes. most people know the inventory and it is kind of like a bullseye tool. So maybe if you're a therapist, you know, you use this with your clients. If you're a client, maybe you've done this with your therapist. It's basically a little bit of a roadmap of like, who is in your life? Like who is there with you mm-hmm. and um, what role do they play? And it's also a little bit of like, what kinds of things, if you were going to change those relationships, how might you change this relationship? If you put someone kind of farther away on that circle, how, but you really wish that they were closer, how do you change that relationship? So that was the piece that like really stuck with me. And I think it's the piece that people remember the most often, Mm -hmm. but there, you know, the other pieces of IPT are really that role-playing and communication analysis. Like when we think about ways in which people have interpersonal disputes or, um, let me make it specific to perinatal. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the the things I hear often are, you know, if I'm working with um, cisgender heterosexual women and they're in a partnership with a cisgender heterosexual man, right? So we're kind of talking about conventional relationship. I hear a lot of complaints about ways in which um, either dad is like not supportive or mm-hmm. if he is, um, you know, like with, with chores and housework and things like that, or or I'm going to totally take a left turn to Albuquerque here and say, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to quote Taylor Swift. Nice. And I go on a little journey, but stick with me. I, I, you know, however you feel about Taylor Swift, I actually just happen to have a, 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 my youngest is nine right now. So I'm unfortunately like, really, this is happening in my household, Mm -hmm. but I saw a little interview with her um, recently, which was like immediately like, Oh gosh, why didn't I say this? And then also I have to keep talking about this. So I'm going to mangle what she said, but she was clearly talking about um, herself in a relationship and a a partner who had done something wrong. I'm not sure what, what it was, but she was saying, look, you know, here's this like original um, conflict or upset. And then, you know, she was basically saying, look, you know, and, and now I'm at a point in my life where women in general, you know, kind of stand up and, and respond. Then what happens is the focus becomes on the response as opposed to the, um, you know, original kind of like distress or, or um, conflict. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, that really resonated for me, because I think this happens a lot in partnerships with, with both sides. Yeah. Um, but one of the things mm-hmm. that I hear quite a lot is that, you know, in sort of more traditional relationships, we know when there's a baby born, sometimes people fall back into these very gendered roles, right? Right. right. Parent does really need to, in the first 12 weeks at the very least, be focusing at home and recovery. And usually a partner is maybe um, if they don't have leave, because this is the United States and we have not awesome leave policies, Mm -hmm. is going back to work pretty quickly. And at least for that moment being perhaps the primary breadwinner. Again, I'm speaking in generalities. But I think what ends up happening is if that in those instances, if dad is then in this position where he's going to start helping with the baby, he might say, well, how do I do this? Well, how do I do that? 
well, what bottle is best? Well, how do I warm up the bottle? And a lot of times, you know, it can trigger this like sense of agitation and resentment and mom or birthing parents, like look it up. Right. Right. And a lot of times then I get this, well, I should be able to ask my wife, like how to do this in that instance, just in that example, it's, you know, you could substitute that with any number of things like Mm -hmm. what should for dinner? When should I schedule the pediatrician appointment? Right. What I think is happening there is that dad thinks, oh gosh, here I am trying to be of support and maybe doing something different than my dad did. Or my intent is to be of help. And mom is like, okay, but figure it out on your own, everything. I can't carry the full mental load. And then caught in this confusion. And I know this is a very long tangent. So bear with me. It's relevant. It happens all the time in therapy. It comes up like I had to figure it out on my own. Why can't he? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think what happens in these moments is that dad is not realizing that what he's really saying when he says, well, how do I do this is, Hey, your time is not as valuable as my time. It is easier to ask you than to spend the energy trying to search out the answer. And what that conveys is we are not equals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I know I got here from Taylor Swift, but I was thinking about this a lot as she was saying that, because I was like, well, this is something that I see in my practice a lot. Right. And then if mom is like, well, you know, figure it out, you know, what's dad's reaction. A lot of times it can be like, well, I don't feel included. You know, I'm just trying to do the right thing. Like it's coming frequently, maybe from a place of anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there are partners that are just kind of rude and uh, just, can I say dicks? Like I don't feel allowed to say that, but I find that frankly, that that's not usually the case. It's here. We have poor communication. Mm -hmm. We've got already, when we think about IPT, usually have three target areas, grief and loss, you know, role transition and interpersonal disputes, which is like all of the perinatal period, like that, that the whole transition into parenthood is all of those things. So much of all of it. And again, so for me, just to bring you back to what I was saying before of like what had stuck with me when I took first took the training was, oh, well, role play and communication analysis. So even though I led us through like kind of a complicated example, it's one I hear all the time. And I think, you know, how I approach it in IPT is to kind of say like, well, look, I think what's really happening here, we've got some dispute. And part of it is because our communication, you know, is kind of off. So dad, you know, when you're saying, how do I do this? You know, what's your intent here? And mom, when you're saying, figure it out, I had to figure it out. What is coming up for you? Right. Like, how would you want to say this? Right. And so, and like, it's just so helpful because you can do the social support work with an individual when using IPT. So those Mm -hmm. skills of like, you know, you're analyzing what went wrong in this communication. And then frequently I'll role play with clients like, Hey, how would you have preferred him to ask you? Mm-hmm. Because I'm finding that, well, I don't want him to ask me at all. Okay. Well, how might you say that? Hey, babe, remember we talked about this. I really don't want to be your project manager. I don't want to be the project lead, like to be your equal. So I'm just going to make this your side of the street. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a much nicer way than saying like, figure it the F out, you know? Right. Right. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly because sometimes life sucks. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Yeah, it's hard, especially if there's been this like pattern of communication, let's say beforehand, or if it's even if it's brand new and it's just started, you know, let's say after a baby comes home, it's like you're already trying to make this major adjustment and having to relearn how to communicate about stuff, it's it's going to be wonky. Uh, so like figuring out how to say things, how to communicate your needs is so important. Yeah. And you were saying this before, you know, we were talking about, you know, the focus areas in IPT is like grief and loss. And a lot of times when you think about people shifting into becoming a parent, there is some grief and loss about what their new life might be. That's the role mm-hmm. transitions, mm-hmm. but grief and loss over potentially, you know, what their expectation maybe of their birth and labor was supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, if there's infertility or perinatal infant loss, like all of those components mm-hmm. are really supported by IPT and, you know, we're talking about disputes in the, in the transitions, but I think One of the things I really love about IPT is that one, it's a little bit like, here's what's happening. This isn't pathology. You know, when you're isolated alone in a home, you're going to be depressed. And that emphasis on, well, now I have a sense of who's on your roadmap of social support. And I know maybe you used to be closer with, with Sally, but you know, she doesn't have a kid anymore and you do, and you're feeling like you're not close to her. Well, what would you like to be different in that relationship? And how might you approach sort of articulating that what you need from her maybe and what you might offer her maybe that's different, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we're doing the inventory, we like to ask those questions around, well, you know, how do you get support from this person? But also how do you support that person? Absolutely. I mean, like maintaining, establishing and or maintaining connection so that you don't feel isolated. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so easy to like fall deeper and deeper into depression when you feel that isolation. Yeah. And, you know, the other part is we've been talking a lot and maybe we like, I feel like community, like all the perinatal health orgs, I think have been talking a little bit more about decolonizing mental health, mm-hmm. which, you know, I have to just acknowledge I'm, you know, cisgendered and I'm white. And so I've got a lot of privilege because of those two things. And so for me, trying to sort out what is the best way for me to start moving into collaborative approaches with clients. And that's the other piece that is, I think, integral in IPT, right? Like people usually walk away from that lovely training and they're like, okay, the inventory and role play and communication analysis. But a big piece of IPT is the collaborative goal setting and not you should do this. If you Mm -hmm. have CBT, right, there's an activating event and then there's a belief and what cognitive distortion is it and how are you disputing it? Mm -hmm. And it's like very mechanical and it doesn't leave much room for open-ended discussions. It's got its use because it really reduces some symptomology for some people, but it doesn't fit for all people in all communities. And IPT focuses much more on social support and enhancing that communication within someone's particular culture. And I think for someone like myself, who's coming from a very specific upbringing, having the opportunity to be more collaborative is kind of important. Right. So you're like, even in the interpersonal inventory, you're learning about the relationship and sort of why it is the way that it is, or what the important parts of that is that you don't have to be coming from a top-down perspective, like I, the therapist, and telling you, well, you should be more connected to that person. You're learning the ins and outs of the relationship. Yeah, the client's the expert on their own life. I'm mm-hmm. not the expert who has all the answers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the way in which you create goals in interpersonal therapy, it's like, well, you know, knowing that we're focusing on one of these three problem areas, well, where is the sorest spot for you? Right. So if you've got some postpartum anxiety and it's showing up as irritability, 
with your partner. Okay, so how do we improve your communication with your partner so that you have the opportunity to convey to them, I'm not just trying to be a terrible partner. This is coming from this place of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Problem solving that and role playing it is really powerful. You can, you can think about it in your head all day, but but actually doing the the communicating, being able to role play that is really powerful. So you can get what it feels like to communicate that and like kind of work out some of the, um, the challenges in the process. And it's reflective. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, again, we all agree having a new baby is a role transition. That's just an absolute, right? Mm-hmm. So another one of the opportunities that we take is like, well, how is this role transition impacting your social support system, right? How does your emotional response during this time period impact your social support system? Yeah. Those are really important kind of fundamental questions. Yeah. Like before the baby, I was this kind of person and now I am this other person. And in the future, I aspire to be this other kind of person, but to really understand me now, you need to know X, Y, Z. And it's like little moments like that, that I think are what make it a much more collaborative therapy. Because again, the client is the expert. And we say that in therapy too, but there are definitely some modalities. You know, I, I'm sure if I've been on here before, I probably bashed psychoanalysis, but I don't mean to. <laughs> I, I think it's foundational training, but it is a very, I mean, it's a very straight up patriarchal finger wagging kind of therapy, which says the therapist is the expert and is going to make these connections for you and knows the answer. And IPT I don't know the answer, you know the answer, but how do I support you in figuring out what that might look like? Right. Yeah. Some much more empowered approach. I think in some way for the therapist too. I mean, right. It's like, I don't know, for just coming from a therapist perspective on, on this part, sometimes the pressure to feel like you need to know something more than the client does or be the expert in something brings this additional pressure that that also leads to having blind spots. And if you can relax into like, I don't know the answer, but we're going to figure it out together, that it's just so much more supportive to the client. But it also takes that pressure off of you where you as a therapist are like trying to figure it out or like be the therapist. Yeah, you can be your more authentic self in IPT. One of the Mm -hmm. things that I love is that it's, I mean, you've met me and you know, I'm a little salty. (laughs) A little cookie. (laughs) One of the things I love. (laughs) A little corny and a little salty, right? Like that's generally, so it's a particular brand, but everybody has, you can really adapt IPT to your more true self. Uh And, you know, a lot of the way in which we work in IPT is by being very straightforward about experiences. So whereas like in some other modalities, you know, the clinician is a blank slate, you know, in IPT, if a client says to me, you know, do you have kids? I say, absolutely. You know, did you have a kid who was like biting? And I said, yes. And I got this book answer, you know, mouths are not for biting. Mm -hmm. Right. But I can answer the question directly or, you know, my kids are much older now. So I can say, well, you know, I remember when, you know, I had kids your age, And this was my experience. And I'm hearing that there's some similarities to your experience. Mm -hmm. And here's how I managed it. You know, does that sound like a way that might work for you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if not, like, what might you do different? Yeah. You get to bring more of your true self. I should really mention too, the other thing about IPT is that you're really staying in the now, you know, because really the symptoms are now. Mm -hmm. And we're going off this theory in IPT that, you know, isolation and distress and conflict with your community exacerbates your symptoms. Mm -hmm. It kind of doesn't matter what you did in third grade. And it doesn't mean that does not inform the therapist's conceptualization. It means that what we're talking about now is what it's like to be struggling with breastfeeding when everyone in your family never had that issue. And your cousin who just had a baby is like producing extra milk, Mm -hmm, right? Like mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. sort of where we're staying. Right. There doesn't need to be like necessarily a deep exploration of your childhood in order to help you with what's going on right now. Yeah. That we can, of course, understand 
impact, mm-hmm. we're really more interested on what are your goals, right? Your goals are to really focus on how do I improve my mood? Mm-hmm. But when in IBT, we want the goals to be a little bit more concrete and more positive, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I will make sure to go for walks, get out of my house mm-hmm. with friends as a way to bolster my mood. Right. Like I'm not RT, that that's maybe not the most perfect goal in terms of articulating it. But again, we want it to focus on the positive, like improve mm-hmm. communication, right? right? or feel closer to my partner, or, Mm -hmm. you know, have connection with others in my community. Right. Does feel sort of more hopeful and more, more forward looking. Installation of hope, right. Which is so key in perinatal mental health. A lot of the power that we hold as perinatal mental health clinicians is being able to say, I was there Mm -hmm. and you too. Yep. There's such a parallel between, I know even, you know, postpartum support international right there. It's like with help, you will be well. And, you know, it's so similar in IPT, which is like that same hopefulness. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I think one of the parts of IPT speaking about it being kind of more current focused is that it's not a long-term therapy. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so interesting, but also it's not a long-term therapy and you never sort of terminate with your clients. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for patients or clients listening to this, they're like, terminate, what's that word? Mm -hmm. But it's sort of like the professional term that we use to close out a case. So an IPT, an average course of IPT is about 12 sessions. Mm -hmm. And that can be really lovely because you're really focused. It's a focused treatment. Mm -hmm. Whereas Some of other therapies can be more meandering, but it doesn't mean the end of the relationship. So, you know, in a clinic setting, you know, it might be more 12. And when I've used it in clinic setting, sure, I just do the 12. And then in my private practice, you know, I can use it in conjunction with other therapies. It just pairs so nicely. You know, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of EMDR and so I'll pair IPT with EMDR. I know I bashed CBT, but I will also pair (laughs) IPT with CBT. But I will see clients for sort of 12 sessions and then maybe we move to bi-weekly or every other week, you know, maybe then we move to monthly, maybe then we move to every six months. And sometimes what will happen and what's so lovely about it in private practice is that maybe I've been seeing a client doing like one check-in every three months, every six months, but then a new kind of comes up mm-hmm. or a new conflict with somebody in their life. And then, you know, we kind of go back and start it again. And I love clients like that because, you know, we kind of already have a bit of a roadmap. So mm-hmm. it's a really nice opportunity to focus on it, on the strengths that clients have. Again, you know, in addition to being collaborative, IPT is very strengths-based. Right. So if someone comes back in and maybe I saw them six months ago, but something new has come up, I have their old inventory and I say, well, you know, let me see this. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Sally was like all the way out there on the outer circle. We see each other every week now for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of opportunity to track progress is amazing because yeah. I, you know, okay, so introduce me to who's in your life now on the circle. And they might say, well, do you remember I used to have like all this conflict with Susie? Apparently, I only see clients who are friends with S names. <laughs> But if I used to have all this conflict with Susie, but, you know, we kind of like sorted it out. We have like a really nice working relationship now. And that kind of ability to track with clients, you know, their growth, their strength is really wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it sounds empowering. And speaking of like the hopeful part of it in a shorter term therapy, when you're not specifically meandering, you you are able to hold on to what progress looks like and feels like a little, a little bit more quickly, or it's a little bit more tangible, say like a psychodynamic type of a therapy, which is great and wonderful. Like there is space for all therapies, but I think just for people knowing that this type of therapy is available and they can seek this out with a, a trained provider, it might even feel a little bit more doable to do therapy. If you like know what you're stepping into and you know, you're not going to like, don't have to spend the rest of your life doing it. Like you're going to go in for this piece of work and this 
period of time and it's going to help for these things. And then you go on about your life and do it over again someday. And you can always come back if there's something else that comes up. So, you know, for clinicians, it's like IPT is easy to learn and hard to do well. That's kind of like with a lot of therapies, I think, but because, you know, you even said this at the beginning, it's tools I already use. It's like positive regard. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, a lot of reflection, you know, it's collaborative. I mean, I feel like you're a very collaborative person. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that that's how you work as as a clinician. And, you know, yes, those are all tools that you use before. But again, like you're saying, if you know, someone's coming in for like, I just like my partner's making me nuts. And that's what their goal is, or I'm really depressed, like I can't find my place um, postpartum, you get to kind of both see how can you support them in making change themselves, but your clinical skill of being able to teach them how to, and I say teach, but I really mean like collaborate, right? Collaborate with your client on how to have better opportunities. So what am I trying to say? I'm just thinking about this in the context of, let me ask you, Kat, what's like a common complaint you might hear from a postpartum parent? There's a lot of conflict in relationship. People not understanding them. Like in relational conflict, it could be like parents and uh, or partners, but just like I'm suffering. I don't know like what all is going on with me and nobody else gets it either. So I feel alone. Yeah. So, okay. And so I feel alone. So again, in IPT, we're going to sort of say, here's what your diagnosis is. Just because it's a diagnosis, that doesn't mean you don't, you can't sort it out and work to change it. It's like, if you Mm -hmm. know that your diagnosis is, let's say what depression, anxiety, just for the sake Mm -hmm. of our company, Mm -hmm. pick Mm -hmm. pick one. Anxiety. (laughs) Anxiety. Okay. So if you know it's anxiety, and how does that anxiety show up for you? What does that look like? Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh gosh, there's a lot of feeling like I need to do everything. It's hard for me to let other people do stuff or take care of the baby or clean bottles. So it sounds like a couple of ways in which it shows up is like you have difficulty asking other people for help. Mm -hmm. Yes. And And I wish they would just help. And you wish they would just help. Right. And so right here in IPT, we might say, well, what does it look like for you when you're having an anxious episode and your partner is in the same room as you? And maybe in the beginning, he asked, can I do something? And you said, no, I got it. But now he doesn't even ask and you can just feel the rage. (laughs) So what does it look like though? When, so we kind of have a picture, you know, and and I gave a little bit more like pointed as just for this example, I might say to the client, like, well, tell me a little bit about what it looks like when you have that resentment. How does that show up in 
with you and your partner. Don't feel connected. I don't really want to talk much to them. I feel like by myself. Okay. So it sounds like you're saying you shut down. Mm -hmm. What does it look like when you shut down? How would I know if Mm -hmm. we're sitting here together? How am I going to know if you're shut down? What does it look like on just in your body and in your face? I'm usually pretty quiet, but I might be up doing a lot of stuff, just not talking to anybody or really communicating what I'm doing, but I just will keep very busy. Okay. So it looks like there's a lot of stuff happening, but you're not saying quite a bit. Right. So is there a way to kind of tell your partner, Hey, when I am feeling anxious and then resentful, what it looks like is me doing a lot of stuff, but not talking. Would you be able to say that to your partner? Yeah, I could say that, but then he's just going to tell me that I never let him help. So why bother? That, That would be pretty frustrating. What do you think it would take for you to accept his help? Hmm. Do you want help now? I do, but I don't want to have to ask for it all the time. Hmm. So this is like a tricky thing, right? Because you don't want to have to ask for it. But again, like he's got a barrier now that we've got to work on, which is, you know, how do we get him to check in with you anyway? Mm -hmm. He said, in my experience, like, I ask you if you want help and you just say no, Mm -hmm. but now you're saying I do want help, but you also kind of want him to know that you want help. If I want you to know something about me, how do I convey that? You have to tell me. So I hear where you get stuck. It sounds like you get stuck in wanting to ask for help, but you don't want to ask for help. But how can he know? If he was a mind reader, I feel like all of us <laughs> would be. I feel like you probably. I just don't want to feel disappointed. But, oh, you don't want to feel disappointed. Yeah. Well, say, what does that mean, though? Like if I ask for help and he doesn't do it or can't do it or won't do it, then I still have to do it. So how would you tell him that that's the barrier? Because it seems like what's really great here that I'm hearing is like one of your strengths is that you're really aware of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that is a strength, right? Because that, that makes our work together so much easier. And if you were to really be able to like say to him, I have an understanding of what my barrier is, like my barrier to asking you for help is because I'm afraid you're not going to do it. You know, how might he respond? Well, I, I don't know. We haven't talked about it to that point yet. Gives us a chance to experiment, right? Let him know mm-hmm. this is what's happening. You give him a chance to know what the barrier for you asking is, mm-hmm. and then we you can come back here and next week and we'll sort of say, okay, you experimented, you told him, and then he was hopefully open. But if he's closed, maybe that means that we have to fine tune how we're asking for help. But that's something we can do together. Like you're not, you don't have to do it alone. We'll sort it out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I really appreciate you playing along with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a couple of different people swirling around in my head for that recent conversations this week. So that was helpful. I think so part of it is, you know, really continuing to pull out the strengths. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're doing IPT and you're focusing on your goals, you're also focusing on what the client's strengths are, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, if we had done like more extensive, you know, intake process, I would know that one of your strengths are insight into your own behavior. It's things like that, that we get to build on with communication. Right. And people might not recognize that they have a particular strength. And like even acknowledging it, let's say in the moment can be part of that empowerment. Yeah. And again, we're really building on what the affect is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for example, I've had clients give me feedback of like, well, you said that like kind of surly. Or, you know, because I have a certain cadence in my voice and I got, and I have to be like, you know what? You're really right. That's something I have to notice about myself. Like if I'm getting agitated and I'm, you know, when I'm role playing or whatever, you know, I have to really acknowledge that that's not going to get me what I want. That's nice. Yeah. And so like you're, that's them giving you feedback. Yeah. Right. Right. And part of that's why it's so collaborative and I think much more decolonized from other therapies, right? And psychodynamic, maybe you would call that having a process discussion, right? And of course, as therapists, we want to always be perfect in how we're conveying things to clients, but you know, we're unfortunately, <laughs> well, thank goodness, we're not AI yet, right? We're <laughs> not, um, yet. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if a client says, well, I really don't like how you said that to me, I say, okay, well, help me understand what it was. Well, you purse your lips when you say that. Well, you know, that's not something that I was aware of. I really appreciate you giving me that feedback and I'm really going to make a note of that. And so then the next time I'm going to do my best to not do that or fur my brow or, or mm-hmm. I kind of do this thing where I like look up, they're like, what are you thinking? I'm like, oh, I can certainly understand mm-hmm. when I look up like that. That's me thinking. And we forget how often our unconscious, all of our sort of affect shows, right? right? Yeah. We're going back to your example. And she says, hey, I could really use your help with this. And he says, well, every time I ask you for help, you just don't let me do it. You know, the more adaptive ways to say, I'm really sorry that's happened before. I am asking for help now. Mm -hmm. It's not easy for me to ask for help because I think I get disappointed that and afraid that you're not going to help me. Mm -hmm. And that appointment's really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think in most relationships, someone's not going to respond with like, well, good. I want to disappoint you. (laughs) Most time it's going to be a revelation of like, oh, I have a better understanding of how your anxiety is showing up right now. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can make an agreement. She might say that when I ask for help, I'm going to do my best to ask it in a way that doesn't feel hostile. It's like, well, I, it's not your tone. It's that you look at me like I'm, you know, a fly or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. right? So that it's like, I think you're figuring out, sorting out ways to understand that it's tone, it's affect, it's the words, and it's being direct. Like people are not mind readers. And of course, again, we know all this, but when we're so confounded and tired and overwhelmed as new parents, it's yeah. kind of hard. This can take a lot of effort. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, another reason why IPT is so useful and it being a shorter term therapy because you're in a transitional space, phase, time. I'm thinking like early postpartum in particular. Mm-hmm. It's easy for stuff to go downhill pretty quickly, but if you can get the outside support of a therapy like IPT, it can prevent that like long-term resentment or the feeling disconnected from your partner. I hope so. I mean, we have blinders on when we have depression or even anxiety, right? It's like we're looking through our depression glasses or anxiety classes or, you know, whatever other kinds of mood stuff is coming up. It's like really hard to see. And then we get caught in a loop. And I think the value of IPT is, you know, again, we've been focusing a lot today in the communication now. But it's also as a reminder of like, people are always astonished of like, I feel like I have no one. I mean, this happened one time Mm -hmm. I had a client who was like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of friends. I was like, okay, well, let's go through this inventory. I get to know who's in your world. And so they wrote it out and they brought it in. And like, let me tell you, I was shocked by how many people were on the system. And then there's other people who were like, I have, you know, I have so many friends and then, but they had a lot of people that they would only tell like more their core things to. So maybe on that concentric circle, they did have all people, but they were much farther away. Mm. They would have like four people. They're like, well, there's a lot of other people out here, but there's really only like four people I would put in these circles. So it's both information for them, but also for ourselves. Because I said, you know, it's so interesting. You said you didn't have a lot of people in your life. And and what I'm noticing is that there are like, yeah, but this person and that person, I'm like, okay, but this is someone who's still in your life. And that is potentially a source of support, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what it is you're needing. Right. Right. So for, well, I guess there are therapists listening and there are people who are interested in this type of therapy listening as well. But so first, where could a therapist go to learn more and get additional training? Sure. In the US, the IPT Institute would probably be the best bet. That's who I'm certified through. And it's Mm IPTinstitute.com. And they actually also have a directory, right? So there are clinicians and certified therapists. So if this sounds intriguing to you, um, you know, as a client, of course, you can go on that directory and, and maybe find someone local. And then for clinicians, one of the cool things is that there are are always both online courses. But again, you know how we started by talking about, you know, clinicians learn best when there are more consultations available so that you're not sort of less silo. There's really like a lot of online consultation opportunities through the IPT Institute, you know, unless you need CEs, a lot of times there's free options too. So I think that can be helpful if you've already done some of the, the courses to have access to that. And, you know, they're usually in the week and then there's 
also, I just realized there's, I don't know when this is going to come out, but there's a perinatal IPT course that is at the mid end of March online. So that may be something. And then um, also one in Chicago, but IPT, all those consultations, because it's worldwide, there tends to be a really interesting community of clinicians um, from all over the country. I've had consultations with clinicians working in Africa, in Singapore, in Australia, and it's just really interesting to see how different countries and different cultural components are Mm. kind of using the modality. So cool. That is something that you're interested in that's uh, available. Yeah, thanks. I mean, even, uh, you know, our conversation today reminds me of the, you know, I haven't had a ton of training, but the the little bit of training I have had is still useful. Even the level A training, like yes. that stuff I am going to like bring back into my rotation next week because I totally, it just like, you know, you like get into your habits and patterns or whatever. And like, wait a minute, I have all these tools that I'm not even using. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm so grateful. I'm obviously passionate about it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find it. So again, I love to talk. So uh, it's a nice uh, opportunity to do that and to talk about something that I have passion about. That's awesome. Thank you so much for bringing this up and giving such a, a vivid explanation of what it is so that people can really know more about it and seek it out if they're interested. Thank you. To find out more from Elise, go to elisespringer.com and you can also find her on Instagram at eSpringerMFT. And as usual, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Mom and Mind podcast, please do so that you can get all of these episodes downloaded directly to you as soon as they come out. You can also find out when episodes are coming up by following me on Instagram and TikTok at Mom and Mind. Thank you so much for being with me. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mom and Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.